The following is a presentation of the Bellup Sports Media Network. And welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. We appreciate you all for joining us here on this Wednesday evening, or if you're listening to us later on as well, too. It is always a pleasure to hang out, talk sports, and everything in between with you guys as well, too. It is DJ joined, as always, by my co-host, Kelsey. And Kelsey, we're coming off a bit of a busy weekend here as well, too. A fun NFL divisional round. Not quite as fun as last year, but a fun one nonetheless. Yeah, fun. Uh, not 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 for walk-offs, uh, to, to, to say the least, for this one. But no, it was still you know you had you had quite a few breakdowns, if you will, of uh, of uh, in the divisional round that just kind of never ceased to amaze. At the end of the day, it will it will be. And uh, yeah, you mentioned busy week. It's not just been a busy week on the field. I mean, goodness, I get to go back to an office for the first time in three years, and I'm like, it's crazy. Life is life is changing as we know it. And it's, hey, we had a fun time for this weekend, and uh, you know, kind of looking towards the end of the show, we we, we get to say farewell to a couple things at the end uh, at the end of the show in two different ways. So. Can't wait for that conversation as well, uh, at the end of the show, but uh, no, it's been a been a been a fun week to, to say the least. Absolutely, we got we got a little bit of fun. We got some recaps, we got some rankings, and we got some farewells as well. Do not knock some, and maybe a little rant as well too. So we might be hitting all three of our major pain points here coming up as well too. So we definitely got a lot to get into, and you know what? We're not going to waste any time. We're going to go right into our opening segment, and the opening segment, of course, is the tip off, and the tip off. In case you don't know, it's now brought to you by our good friends over at SeatGeek as well, too. And if you don't know about SeatGeek, well, A, I don't know if you've been under a rock or not because, well, it's been around forever. But SeatGeek is a live entertainment platform, rethinking ticketing by caring more about you all and us as well, and the venues and the fans, powering a new open entertainment industry. And we got a nice little code, Belly Up Sports. Get yourself 20% off your first order with it with them as well too so definitely go check it out there's some some places are going 50 percent off on tickets as well too for some nba games as well go ahead and try those out as well because hey you only why not give it a try live sporty events or something else so definitely go try it out and for the tip off kelsey we're going to begin with the recap part and we already kind of alluded to it nfl divisional weekend there was some good there was some bad there was some ugly there was some what there's a whole lot to go through we're just going to go top to bottom with this one we'll go with excuse me the very first game we were that we were looking at as well too, and we're gonna stick in the AFC and Kansas City versus Jacksonville, the the prince or as some people are calling him from Jacksonville, the the king if you will with Patrick Mahomes and I'm gonna start with a good for Jacksonville, but this is kind of what you expected. They kept it kind of close, good for them. Destroyed the point spread for all of those who wanted that eight and a half points. They made it seven, so they ruined a lot of people there. Patrick Mahomes still that dude even on one leg. Good luck everybody else. Travis Kelsey. Even more so, good luck, everybody else. He is still absolutely unstoppable in the postseason. But honestly, my, the biggest thing I come out of that game thing is, A, how hurt is Patrick Mahomes? And B, the defense, while it was underrated throughout the regular season, I do still have a little bit of concerns, especially on that back end. Now that you have the the Bungles coming into town as well, too, with their, with their core. So those, the two things are Patrick's even 85% of himself. This is going to be quite the game we have cut up this weekend. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I got to say, I, I'm curious to know how this game would have gone had the injury not happened. Um, uh, because, 38 yeah, yeah, Patty, Patty was on a roll, and that game was getting getting dirty and out of hand, and everybody was eating. But I got to say, man, it, it again in another season of playoffs that we see Chad Henney come in for the, the Chiefs and get them advanced past the divisional round in with just one drive. He only needs one drive, whether it be the very last drive or it be a middle of the, middle of the game drive that really kind of cinches everything. If if he doesn't take him down the field and score with Travis Kelsey, 
I that game gets turned on its head in Jacksonville could be sitting here in the championship series in the championship weekend. But you know, hey, alas, it, it it's not to be. Um, you know, Patty Patty was able to come back and, and by the way, I think the most emotional Patty I've ever seen was him on the sideline being told, You either go get the, the X rays or you don't return to this football game. You know, throwing down his jacket or stopping off to the side stopping off to the uh to the locker room. I, I think that was that was pretty entertaining um as far as you know must watch tv but i think that was the moment you knew that this guy's coming back and and this guy's gonna be taking names uh in the second half and then yeah it it was no surprise from patty and yeah travis kelsey just keeps doing travis kelsey things it's terrifying those two at the you know and 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 to consider travis kelsey also in his 30s now you know getting to that older age range in, in 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 football playing terms especially for a tight end you know, you're, you're still sitting and watching maybe play the best season he's played over his career. You know, he, he had a chance this season to touch Rob Gronkowski's touchdown record. You know, just missed out on that, unfortunately, for, for him. But, um, yeah, it's, it's it's surprising to see them keep chugging along as much as they do. And at the end of the day, it's, it's, I think it's the most surprising. No matter how much you know the ball is going to Travis Kelsey, you still can't stop the Travis Kelsey machine from happening. And I don't know if it, it, and it's obvious it's not just Patty at this point because even with Chad Henney, you knew the ball was going to Travis Kelsey, and yet still couldn't stop the ball from going to Travis Kelsey. So I don't know what's going on there, but yeah, I I, I do look at this game, and I, I you know you mentioned the injury obviously going into Championship Weekend, it is a little terrifying. I also you know want to go and look at that run game for Kansas City. Isaiah Pacheco, like he had a great great drive with Chad Henney in there. But then for the rest of the game, I'm kind of like, I need a little more from you just to solidify. Jarek McKinnon, though, kind of went missing for, for most of this game. Had a few few pieces of parts here. Helped him kind of clinch the game at the end of the game. Um, but I need more. I need, like, and, I, and, and it sounds greedy for me to be talking about the Kansas City Chiefs and talk about a run game and needing more. I've said this the entire season. I said this pre- preseason. If the Chiefs get a run game, they're unstoppable. And you, know, you saw a little bl- brief moment of that with Isaiah Pacheco on this game where he was able to get going on a drive, go two drives there. And, yeah, it's just – I need – I need no matter how injured Patty is, I think if they have a run game to kind of offset it – and I don't, I'm not saying a huge run game. 80 yards from Pacheco, 60 yards from Pacheco, 30 yards from McKinnon, you know, add in 20 in the air. I think they have a great opportunity there. Um, but, yeah, I, I do look at that. For me, that, that run game get, gives me some question marks, obviously. Uh, going forward because it is a little worrisome because i mean you know if patty is majorly injured you got to have something happening and i I can't trust travis kelsey to run tight end sneak every play i mean we 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 haven't seen it yet but it just might you know it's crazy when you speak about that run game in 2020 they drafted clyde edwards hilaire pretty decent pick it hasn't quite panned out greatly for him but you look at the running backs just selected the next round after jk dobbins jonathan taylor DeAndre Swift, I'm sure there's plenty of others that I'm overlooking that are really good. Just how close they were to having not only that run game, but having it in abundance as well, too. So yeah. I agree that you can get that and, and 90 to yards. To be fair to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, like... He's, he's pretty solid when he was healthy, he, but then... Yeah, exactly. When he's healthy and he's not dropping the ball. Like, when he when he's able to hold on to the ball, it was pretty good. It was just... The, the one thing, since he transitioned to the NFL, I feel like his, his fumbling woes have gotten fumbling a little bit bigger. Good those weird drops too. Like he was so sure handed and then just coming out, just like the weird little things. And he's fantastic. They get like four and a half yards of carry up to 80, 90 yards combined. I think that'll help a lot. Take some of the pressure off. Patty won't have to play make as much. And my last note on that one too, for them, this will be the first game. If I'm not mistaken, 
that Mikul Harmon and Kadarius Tony are both healthy and on the field for the Chiefs at the same time since that trade, which we talk, we've seen Kadarius Tony's done in the playoffs with dynamic ability. We've seen Mikul Harmon run a straight line as well as anybody. So if you could just get him running straight down the field or running across the field with the ball in his hands and running away from people, that could be another added dynamic that we haven't seen yet as well. So there's, yeah. there's a lot to look forward to. And that defense, they have some holes, but they, the defensive line makes plays when they need to. Chris Jones uh, could be a candidate for defensive player of the year. Frank Clark. Looks it, is good. it an award? It, he is a finalist for defensive player of the year. Chris exactly. Jones. So we'll talk about those awards a little bit later as well, too. They got some pretty good linebackers. Secondary, a little concerning, but what I think yeah. we'll have to see. I think the defense take a step up a little. The running game can step up a little. Should be a very, very fun game we have in there. But yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll move on from I'll the say Nick. Nick Oh, before you get that, Nick Bolton um, definitely has to have a big game. He can't miss tackles like he did in, against Jacksonville. Uh, and George Karloftis needs to continue the trend he's on, which is just being a nuisance. He is he's on the Max Crosby train at this point in time. Like just be a nuisance, get in the backfield, and and just kind of show up. Like that's 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 kind of what you need to do. For lack of a better word, just be a dick. Just that's all you got to do as well. Too just be in the backfield and just be a pain. Just be a pain, but. We're going to go from the kingdom now. We'll head over to the city of brotherly love as the Giants took on the Eagles. And not gonna lie, there's not a whole lot to say about this one. The Eagles just showed they are who we thought they were. And the Giants, they're still better than who we thought they were. But this was kind of a mismatch as well, too. The Vikings game maybe casts a few too many aspersions as to what they can do when you're going against the worst defense to make the playoffs that I can remember necessarily. So I'll just keep mine short and sweet. Jalen Hurts is still him. That offense is still legit. Devontae Smith's a number one receiver on 24 other teams. AJ Brown's the number one receiver on 26 teams, like just short of maybe a few others. And Dallas Goddard's a top five tight end, best offensive line in the game, arguably top five defense. I'd say probably the best, probably the top five defense as well. So good, yeah, good luck, Giants. You did, you didn't really have a yeah. shot, unfortunately, as well. Too it was can is can you cover the spread? Which the, the, that wasn't going to happen either. Yeah, I mean it's 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 wild. Um, and also, can can we just continue to talk about how much Boston Scott hates the New York mm-hmm. Giants? Uh, he has scored a touchdown against the New York Giants in like four straight appearances now. It is it's absolutely silly. Uh, the, literally the third, maybe fourth running back, if you really want to talk about, like Jalen Hurts being included in there, mm-hmm. scores a touchdown for the for the Eagles. They continue like the only only running back, by the way, to not score a touchdown, much to my betting, you know, disappointment, was Miles Sanders. And three, you know, Jalen Hurts scores a touchdown. Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott all score. Um, yeah, these Eagles, man, this run game is stupid. I, I don't like it because obviously they're an NFC East opponent, but then at the same time, I enjoy watching it from an offensive lineman's standpoint. Like, yes, hogs push forward, go forward, running backs, pick the right hole. Don't be stupid. And I, I mean, I enjoy watching Miles Sanders actually, you know, use, use his, use his fakes in the hole to kind of set up defenders. So the offensive lineman have an easier job of it. It is very nice to see that, like offensive line and running back working on in tandem. It reminds me of Le'Veon Bell with Pittsburgh that season where he just went off. Um, that was uh, this is what I feel like I'm watching again. But he's doing it at full speed, not in slow motion. So it's it's it's, it's really nice to watch that. And yeah, Devonte Smith, AJ Brown, you couldn't be happier if you were an Eagles fan right now. The only way you could be happier is if Kobe Dean was starting as a linebacker right now. That'd be probably the only way you could be happier. And you know what? That's maybe the fact that that could be on the horizon as well. So you never know. Plus Jordan Davis getting even more burn as well. I will say Travis Actually Kelsey. getting healthy for Jordan Davis too. Exactly. And Sorry, Jason Kelsey. 
throwing Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence around two of the better interior defensive linemen just in the game, let alone on the same team. Jason Kelsey and that interior offensive line had the way there was one highlight of Jason Kelsey throwing one of them. I can't remember which one with one arm as well, too. So an absolutely tremendous display from that offensive line. And we're going to talk about their opponent coming up, too, because it's going to we got a clash of Titans in the NFC coming up. The NFC is kind of thin this year. I think we'd agree. It's been mostly three or four teams throughout the year. Well, we got one A and one B going head to head. So it all worked out pretty great in the NFC side, but. We're going to skip on over to the AFC now. We're going to go to some broken tables up in Buffalo. And what we deemed the game of the week, arguably, what we thought was going to be the game of the year a few weeks ago went on Monday night. That unfortunately didn't happen. We thought we were going to get it now. And what we got was basically some when a kid gets in trouble and the dad breaks out the belt and, and spanks him. That's pretty much what we ended up seeing right now is the Bengals. I don't think they lost a second of that game, honestly. I think from the moment that kickoff happened till the end of it, there was not at one point where you said the Bills are Bills are in this game. Really, that was this one-sided, a divisional game, not from two teams that were so evenly matched. I think that I can remember. Yeah, it was bad. Uh, like if you're a, if you're a Bills fan, go ahead and uh, go ahead and pause pause the podcast. You can come back in about five minutes, and when we're done we talking about this, fans. we are Bills fans at heart. But well, maybe not. Uh, I don't know. About, I, don't, I don't know if I'm a Bills fan at heart. Right? Just... Maybe, let me forget that. There's no animosity, but like this was rough. So we're gonna recap some. Yeah. We're gonna recap some harsh realities here. Unfortunately. Yeah. Look, it's it, at the end of the day, you have to sit here and wonder what is going on that Josh Allen in the playoffs in the divisional round continues to struggle. And it, it, I saw an image the other day and it makes me laugh. Uh, it's comparing the current generation of quarterbacks, young quarterbacks to the older generation of quarterbacks we saw in our nineties. So like Peyton Manning's on there, obviously being related to Joe Burrow as the chosen one, quote unquote. Uh, then you have the, the, uh, the turnover stricken one, the gunslinger, and that is your Josh Allen to your Brett Favre. And actually very eerily similar as far as their, playoff trajectory went because you always had brett Favre running up against those niners or the cowboys in in the playoffs and just getting beaten by them or the falcons when no one near the falcons made it there and and so it's a it's a situation you're seeing right here just something's going on where there's just a disconnect the disconnect with stefan diggs in the last two games of the regular season and those two games in the playoffs has got to be fixed because this is the second straight season we've seen that um as much as i love the idea of throwing to your all your weapons uh, maybe try to use your main weapon, you know, the guy you you traded a first round pick for that turned into Justin Jefferson. Uh, maybe maybe use that occasionally. So um, a guy who's shown he can be a top five receiver in the league and can still and is still a top five receiver, even though you just ignored him. Um, yeah, I, I, the Bills just I don't know what's going on, but they just seem to get in their own way when it gets to the divisional round. It's I don't know if it's a coaching issue. I don't know if it's a mental issue for maybe Josh Allen. Maybe he just needs to get over that hump. Um Running game really uh, non-existent in this one. Uh, yeah, 50 total yards between three people. So not pretty at all. Uh, passing game, you, you can't you can't go 25 of 42 with a pick and no touchdowns. Like, that's not helping anybody here. Um, at least no passing touchdowns. Um, and, yeah, on the other side of things, look, Joe Mixon, 105 yards rushing on 20 carries, uh, Joe Burrow, 242 and two tutties. Hayden Hurst scores a touchdown. When Hayden Hurst scores a touchdown, we have a problem, guys. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the that's the number one. This is top, top ranked defense. Uh, Matt Milano had a pretty good game. Um, you know, he broke up the, the touchdown with Jamar Chase there. Um, should have been a touchdown, but I yeah, it probably still should have been a touchdown. 
what is a catch nowadays anyways? Lions and Cowboys and even, I'd say, even Packers and Seahawks fans might have a conversation about that one that just never ends. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, I just, yeah, you look at this and it's just – there's a lot of question marks I, I, I have about what's going on with the Bills and, and then, like, how you allow something like Hayden Hurst to just be wide open in the end zone on a wheel route out of the uh, where he can't like, it just doesn't make sense um especially with the matchup zone you play it really doesn't make sense why four people are running a jamar chase and not the, the, the tallest guy on the field at that point in time because there was no t higgins on the field walking towards the corner of the end zone wide open i just never understand um but the defense hey look on the flip side of things Bengals. Bravo, continue your trend right now because what you're about to you have the opportunity to buck the trend of every losing Super Bowl team in the history of mankind, which is to make it back to a Super Bowl the year after you lose. Maybe I just put a jinx on it. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a curse to the commentator here, but the losing team rarely ever makes it back to the Super Bowl the next year. The only one I could think of was the Patriots after they lost to Dick Foles and came back against the Rams. And that is a rare company you always want to be in is being yeah. with Dynasty Patriots. Any, anything in that yeah. category sounds good to me. And the only other team being the Bills. The the three yeah, straight the lost four, Bills. Yeah. Oh, yeah, four, four straight lost Bills. That one, not, that one maybe not as much. Maybe that one would like to avoid that conversation a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Bills. I didn't want to like – so, but, but really, you talk about it, there's two teams historically, five total seasons that's happened in, in the history of the Super Bowl. So, like, you have a chance to make it special, make it six here, become the first time, and who knows who you go up against on the other side of things. You have a great opportunity if you're the Bengals, and you talk about a team that's just so offensively gifted. I mean, it's to the point where you have Hayden Hurst getting involved, who, by the way, I, I, I say Hayden Hurst scored touchdown, like, as, as an insult. It shouldn't be an insult, but when it's you the compare way. the other riches they have, like, that's plan D, E, F, G in that range. Whereas, like, plan A, B, and C is T. Higgins, J- you know, Jamar Chase, you know, J- Joe Mixon. You have even Samaj P. Ryan. Um, you have Joe Burrow sneaking it in or running it in or passing it in. Like, all of those things are usually before a Hayden Hurst touchdown. Mm-hmm. So, that's like uh, Tyler Boyd scoring a touchdown. Like, yeah, you have all these touchdown. weapons offensively. It's just... It's insane. Um, if they can just keep capitalizing on it and not slow down, which is the one thing I will say, the biggest disappointments we've seen so far in, in the postseason, the biggest reason for those disappointments was offensive shutdowns. Just the Chargers shutting down, the Bills shutting down, just absolute disappointment after disappointment here. Um, and, you know, the, that's one thing we haven't seen from the Bengals. The Bengals haven't really shut down mid-game for, for a quarter. So as long as they can keep their offense rolling um, – it shouldn't be an issue. They scored a points every 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 quarter, and you know the only one they they technically lost was the second quarter. But you know whatever, <laughs> you still you still put up points on the board, and and at that point in time you're up by two touchdowns. So I don't care. <laughs> Congratulations, you're still winning. So Absolutely. yeah, no, I, I I like I like I like what we saw from the bill uh, from the Bengals. Bills not so much. Like figure figure it out. Whatever it is, you're not letting Stephon Diggs go. Don't even like talk about that. You're not letting Josh Allen go. Shut up. Yeah. You're not letting Sean McDermott go shut up. Uh, however, you might lose Joe Brady, which might be painful for you. I don't know. I don't know what that how that's going to work out for you. Um, but, yeah, I just, we'll, we'll have to wait and see on this. I will say what's interesting, too, is both the offensive lines in this game were shaky a little bit. Awful. But you couldn't tell watch it, watching it mm-hmm. because coming into the game, we knew they both were banged up. The Bengals, theirs adjusted really well to it, whereas the Bengals' defensive line ate the Bills' offensive line up. And that goes to a lot to what Joe Burrow does with – they're both very like good play extending type of quarterbacks. 
Joe Burrow does it on, I like to say he electric slides throughout the pocket. That's what we've yeah. been kind of joking about the last three years. He electric, he electric slides to the left, slides to the right, step back two times, step up three times, whatever, like really small confined, just uses almost twinkle toe feet to avoid, avoid pressure and find the guy. Josh Allen, once he draws back and hit that clock hits, like the timer ticks, he looks down and looks to almost Russell Wilson a little bit as well too. Like, looks to evade and get five more seconds as opposed to two and throw a nuclear bomb, which works 80% of the time for him. I mean, good for you. It works. Like don't, don't change that. But in this situation, that's where you can find a kind of comeback to bite you is when Josh Allen's he's too much of a, he's like Adam Dunn, the old baseball player. He'll crank a 500 foot home run for you, but you might get some strikeouts trying to hit that 500 foot home run in the meantime as well. So it's not a whole lot you could change besides just build some kind of running game to balance it out. We saw it for the Bengals. The Bills can build a little bit of a running game. I think that'll help a lot. And I will, the last one I'll have on this game, everyone's saying Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in the NFL right now. Chill. Let's, let's just chill out just a little bit. He, let's, he's number two. I, I will give him number two right now, but you can't say he's better than Patrick just because he's won head to head matchups when he's played for two full seasons now. I don't know if I can even give him two right now. I'll be honest. I think there's a second better quarterback out there. That's fair, but I, like I could see him going up to two with what he's done, like in the MVP conversation, into Super Bowl, I test seventy touchdowns in the two years. Like I'll give him that, but to basically say that offsets Patty's last four years of being Patrick Mahomes, that seems a little bit reckless. It's, yeah, so that, that's, that's 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 blasphemous. Patty, I think it's fair to say Patty's number one, pretty unanimously as of current today. Joe, I would make a case against everybody else. I personally have him at two, but I think you could. I think there are cases to be made. You could put. Something like Josh Allen more like we, we can do that another. That's another episode. Yeah. We we're, we're... and and I'll say Josh Allen's not far from getting back into that. Something fell off of Josh Allen this the end of this season. Like I it just it every positive step he took to get to this point, it felt like he'd lost it in the end of the season. You know, putting touch on the ball. It it felt like that by itself was a big, 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 big miss. In this last game, I mean, there were shots he was taking to Stephon Diggs that it was so so much on a line. There was zero drop on the ball until it hit the ground thirty yards beyond Stephon Diggs. Like he's trying to hit a twenty yard twenty yard seam pattern, and and you're trying to get it up over the over the the linebacker, and you're just blowing it by the linebacker instead of getting it over the top of him. And I, it was it was weird to see because I usually that is one of the things like the last year and a half we've seen from him, he's been exceptional, and then this year I. Mm, it wasn't like the last four games. I really never saw it from him where, you know, you talk about, he extended those plays and usually that's when he uses that little extra touch along the sideline to, to get the ball in there. And he was just blasted it in. It was just like, you know what? I'll throw it as hard as I can and see what happens. So it was almost like a regression in the last four games. It was weird. It was really odd too. That it felt like I can't remember them throwing the ball under 10 yards unless it was like third and 15. And they were basically throwing a screen or a dump off or something like that as well too. Like it was a, it's a weird dynamic, but you're talent rich. You're, you're not blowing anything up necessarily. Maybe make some tweaks and we'll see where they come back at next season as well too. They're still going to be a favorite out of the AFC East and one of the favorites for the Super Bowl next year as well too, barring catastrophe. But what we do have one more game we got to get into here on the tip off too. So we'll fast forward to this one. The one you've been, that you don't really want to talk about too much, but we will. We have the Cowboys and the Niners, the defensive battle royale of the weekend. Fantastic defenses, pretty good offenses that were just kind of ran into buzzsaws this week. I'll leave this one a little bit more to you. What I'll just say is the 49ers, even with Brock Purdy, I don't think just any quarterback can succeed in here. Most of them can, obviously, like 90% of quarterbacks can. But I think there is a reason. I think he showed like he's not just a Mr. Irrelevant plug-and-play guy, I think. Even some reports out of training camp that he was looking pretty good as well, too. Like he had some 
He had a little factor. There's a reason they kept him around as a third quarterback on the depth chart this long. So I think he's showing that as well. But the Niners are stupid loaded. You put the Niners against the rest of the NFC Pro Bowl teams and you have a competitive game. And it's not, it's absolutely ridiculous. Cowboys, and another embarrassing end of the season. The last play of the game, it's like, again, like it's a copy and paste of last year. And I saw a funny comparison. They said that this is basically the Bengals of the early 2010s with Andy Dalton and Marvin Lewis, Mike McCarthy and Dak mm. Prescott. Good playoff caliber team, but they're always going to disappoint you and let you down or something like that as well. But you know what? I won't rag on them too much. I'll say 49ers and Eagles is going to be a clash of Titans. I can't wait for it. You got some things to say on this one. I could tell you, like, see this steam coming out of here. So I'll let you take the floor for this one. Um, yeah, I don't. I question a lot of what happened in play calling in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of just situational awareness that just escaped uh, mm-hmm. the brain cells of our uh, of the wonderfully esteemed head coaching and and offensive coordinating staff. Um, I. I Again, I'd stand by why is Zeke your featured back getting 10 carries, averaging only 2.6 yards for 26 yards a game in, in, in a playoff game. Um, your number two carrier, six carries, 22 carries, averages 3.7. And here's where it gets really, really embarrassing. Your third leading rusher, also with 22 yards on four carries, is your quarterback who, by the way, up until this game, had or up until these playoffs had not ran the ball really all season long. So, you know, he's rusty running for 22 yards and yet your feature back can give you only 26 on 10 carries. So give him six more carries and he gives you four more yards. I got lots of questions there. Like why that's the concept. Um, CD lamb, uh, 10, one I can't take anything away from CD lamb, but Dalton Schultz, where you at? Where's those mid range over routes that, you know, he kills on where, where are those at? Where's, Where's Noah Brown on that 10, 10 yard dig every every game? Where's obviously T.Y. Hilton still getting his one catch for 15 yards? So I can't say anything about that. That's literally what he was brought in the team to do. Uh, but maybe do that two or three more times. Maybe maybe try that. He did have a like, tutty on his team route that they threw backside to Fred Warner covering CeeDee Lamb instead, which normally like that matchup. But then you see 16 yeah. uncovered. It's like, well, shoot, I would take the uncovered. But I digress. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no, I mean, that's, exactly that's exactly right, though. Like, it, But then here's the big one. The guy you're paying to be your number two receiver that you got rid of Amari because this guy's going to be good gets zero catches for zero yards in this game. So the, number 13 gets you double eggs. Not good. Not, not good at all. Not good. Even Zeke had more catches than you. The kick returner who doesn't play a snap on offense, but maybe once in a blue moon who played three snaps in offense on this game, gets one catch for eight yards. Like, come on. Why? Why? Why are we talking like he's he's the savior at receiver? Like, we all know CeeDee Lamb is the number one. That's never been a question. But number two, is T.Y. Hilton, until proven otherwise, going into this next season? I'm sorry, that's just how it's going to be. If T.Y. Hilton is even going to be on the team next year. And if it's not T.Y., then it's Noah Brown is number two. I'm sorry, I'm not going to say Michael Gallup is a number two receiver ever. I've never said it. I never liked it, the idea of him being a number two. He was a gifted seam ra- outside running, straight up the li- sideline type of, type of player. I've never liked him being the number two receiver. And it was shown yet again here in, in the divisionals 
that it just continues. And finally, Dak, what happened after you came back from injury that you are throwing continuous picks every week? I could count on two of them from you. Like, if he threw one, I was shocked down the stretch. Like, down the last eight games, I was shocked if he only threw one. He averages 2.5 picks in the last eight games. Like, how... I, what are we supposed to? What are you? How are you supposed to win when you're giving a team three extra, two extra, two and a half extra possessions a game, in two games, in, in two extra possessions in this game against a team in the San Francisco 49ers who all you have to do if they're them is give the ball to one of your herd of running backs or an occasional five yard pattern to your unstoppable tractor tight end, and you're good. Like you don't, you you literally don't have to do anything else. And you can just eat the clock away because you don't have to worry about the Cowboys because they're toothless on offense. And I've said it time and time again, Dak Prescott, you still have to remember he's a mid-round quarterback and he is empty calorie season with Dak Prescott. And every time I say it, every every Cowboys fan gets up and off. Yeah, it is so bad, man. Like It just continues at this point in time. I can't give him zero sugar Dak, Dak Prescott because like – that's at least good. Like that tastes close to the original. Like this is just this is off-brand diet something or another, and it's just not good. That's cool. Um, yeah, it's it's bad, man. I, I I could go I could go on, and I will I'll, I'll talk about this a little bit more in crunch time um, about what my opinion on the Cowboys. But the Cowboys say farewell yet again in the most disappointing way. And I'll talk about some of the things I think need to change in, in crunch time. But yeah, I'm gonna stop right there because I could go on for another 35, 45 mm-hmm. minutes before I have to take a nap and then continue for another three hours once I wake up. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it, yeah. Good job. 49. Congratulations. Brock Purdy is all I'm going to say. I'll, I'll wrap up on that one really quick. Cause to your Michael Gallup point, that's not exactly the Eagles secondary. If you were going to win this game, you needed your receivers to win basically. Cause that's where yeah. their weakness is, even though it's still a good secondary. It's that front line's different. You got to win in the secondary to have a chance and they needed a big performance from him. And then also on top of that, those turnovers led to six points in a 19 to 12 game. You can't, you can't have that. And in one of them was in scoring territory as well. So that took, that was easily a six point swing, if not more as well. And Brett Maher, bring him back one more year. He obviously that last game was absolutely terrible, but like just bring him back one more year. He was 90% on field goals. Like don't, and Dak Prescott, you can't say go for effing two when he should have said, put in Cooper rush when you're throwing picks, like you could have flipped the script like that. You didn't see Brett Maher saying bring in Cooper rush. One of them didn't cost you a game. Well, I'm just gonna throw that out there. Like, well, uh, speaking of throwing things out there, yeah, you know, hey, touche. Anyways, but, exactly. I imagine Dak wanted to pull a couple of those back, yeah, yeah, or just tuck and run. But we can go on those all day as well too. We'll, we do have a couple more segments, so we're gonna go and wrap up this one, and we're gonna head now into Kelsey's second favorite show, second favorite part of the show, and that is the main event. The main event, of course, brought to you by our good friends over at Manscaped. You don't know by now, well, you've been living under a rock that I kind of wish you were at because I could be cut off from all the weird stuff I see on the internet. But Manscaped is the leading premier brand in men's grooming and healthcare as well, too. Use code HILOSPORTS, get yourself 20% off at checkout. They do have a new beard trimming tool as well, too. So it's not just for your bowels. It does also include your face, your nose, your beard, literally everything you need as well, too, to look dashing on a date, going out on the town, going to hang out with your friends going to work, whatever you need. They got a little something for you so you don't go out looking like a caveman or a liver king or anything like that. Something to keep you nice and tight. Hey, yeah, you got to look. And while you're out there, guys, look, you guys, all your, all your New Year's resolutions, try to go back to the gym, get in shape. 
sweating a lot. Don't forget to get that crop preserver. It's still there. It's still fantastic. Still helps you smell good. Still keeps you from stanking up everywhere after you leave the gym or before and you get to the gym. Maybe you're one of those guys. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, look, go go check it out. 20% off at checkout. Hilo Sports is the code. Uh, type it in. Go go get yourself some good stuff from manscaped.com. Get, get your New Year started off right. Let's be honest. Exactly. Do you and everyone else a favor with some of those as well, too. So definitely go check them out. And Kelsey, we they released the award nominee finalists for the NFL awards. There are some questions with some of those. There are some holes, but we won't. Well, so what we're going to do now is we're going to give our awards, not based on theirs, though, because some of ours aren't didn't necessarily get the nomination. So some of ours are going to be who we think should get the award. It's going to include MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year, Offensive Rookie, Defensive Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, and Comeback Player of the Year. So we're going to run the gauntlet. We're going to go from the bottom up. And Kelsey, do you want to go first, or should I go and reel this one in? You know what? I, I'm going to give you the honor of going first with this one, just – because I think I think you want to talk about something about the comeback player of the year. I feel like there's something itching on your mind. Comeback player of the year. The finalists were Geno Smith, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey. All pretty good nominees. But my problem is when you think comeback player of the year, coming back from injury, coming back from like a rough career or something like that, coming back from missing games. Saquon Barkley played all but a couple of games last year. It was just a bad year because the Giants were terrible. Christian McCaffrey is just on a terrible team. Like they don't need comeback player of the year. Geno Smith, his is the weird anomaly because he's had basically a he's coming back from a miserable career for the last 10 the years. Of a career. Pretty much, yeah. So he gets like the anomaly. It's almost like the breakthrough or most improved player of the year that NBA has. You could that's kind of where it fits in here. But those other two do not need to be in here for comeback player of the year. The proper answer here, well, one of the proper answers is you look at somebody coming off a major injury, coming back and unleashing hellfire. So that would look at Eagles defensive end Brandon Graham of 30-plus years old, I think 32 now, coming mm-hmm. off of a torn ACL or a torn Achilles. I, it skips my mind which one it was. Either way, it was bad. It, I think it was the ACL, but it's not good. What does he come back and do this year? Sets his career high in sacks with 11 and leads the high and is one of the leaders on the best sack team in the NFL. Obviously, Hassan Reddick led the way with overall sacks, but Brandon Graham, was an absolute force of nature. He's most known for forcing the fumble on Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Coming back from that injury, that is a true comeback player of the year candidate in my mind as well. And I think you'll have, like when Joe Burrow won it last year, he came off of an ACL tear and went on a ballistic tear. Andrew Luck and J.J. Watt, when they come, came off their shoulders, coming off 600-plus days missing, then come back in our elite comeback player of the year. Coming back from just having a bad season because you're on a bad team, when really for Saquon, it's been like two or three rough years because the Giants were really that bad. That's not really comeback player of the year. That's just, hey, you have a supporting cast now. It's great. Same with Chris McCaffrey. Hey, you have a supporting cast now. So that's my that's my small little take on comeback player of the year. But I'm going to go with Brandon Graham because he truly came back from an injury. One that should devastate a 30-year-old. But he came back and had his career best year. And maybe we're looking at Von Miller in the same light next year as well, too. Speaking of players who coming off an injury – Older player, maybe this surprising people, but I'm going with Brandon Graham. You, on the other hand, I think you're going to go in a different direction, but it's not Saquon Barkley or Christian McCaffrey who are just no. good players that had rough years. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not like that's 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 most improved player or bounce back player, whatever they want to call that. I gotta go. Like you mentioned him, Geno Smith. I know he's a finalist, but I gotta stick with the guy. I said it earlier this year. He's my comeback player of the year nomination. Uh, you can't. It, it's so hard to say. This dude was written off by everybody. I mean, let's 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 not forget this dude got knocked out by his own teammate and was then at that moment written off by not only newspapers but New York Jets players and fans. 
the team, the ownership, everybody said, you know what? This guy's not going to do anything more for the league. Bounces around, few backup spots, plays spot games here and there. This season, everybody's like, ah, oh, Drew Locke has this, Drew Locke has this, Drew Locke has this. There's really no competition in, in, in camp. Pete Carroll kind of knew that. Like, there's a competition, but Gino obviously won that. It was it was not even fair. Like I tried to fight for Drew Locke earlier this season and say, "Oh, Drew Locke had a chance until he got." Co-. I was I was I was I was lying through my teeth. Mm-hmm. I knew there was no competition. I knew who actually earned that job. And then he goes out and doesn't write back, ladies and gentlemen, my comeback player of the year, Geno Smith, getting his team to the playoffs. And had it not been for really just an abysmal showing in the playoffs uh, by by all around on that defense as, as well as the offense, I mean they have an opportunity there. I think. You know, you look at what he's able to do. Maybe about that, continue that next year. Um, it's very, very odd though, because like you look at guys' careers that go on this path, never, never do they come back like this. Um, and this has been kind of, kind of exciting to see. I don't know if we'll see it again next year. Maybe it was a one-hit wonder. But you know what? I, I can't help but root for the guy. I liked him when he was at when he's at West Virginia. I hope that you know it's one of those things that continues going forward. Um, that we can see maybe that Geno Smith that was going to be that dude at West, at West Virginia. Um, you know, come come and play next year, whether that's for Pete Carroll or not, we'll have to wait and see. Absolutely. Def breakthrough player of the year as well, too. They they're definitely he's he definitely earned it. He gets something for what he did as well, yeah. too. And with arguably the quote in the NFL season of they wrote me off, now you're right back yet. If I have a nickel for every time I heard someone say that, including me, well, I'd have a whole lot of nickels. Let's just say this would have a different I mean I, twice in one twice in one segment today. I mean, like I'm 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 working it right now. Exactly. So that would be for comeback player. Next, we're going to go to coach of the year. And well, coach of the year, I think we're pretty much unanimous on this one. I'll keep my short tweet. Brian Dabble, I thought the Giants were winning two games to get the number one pick. They won a playoff game. So making me eat my own words without extra hot with some extra hot sauce and gravy on it. So Brian Dabble, easy peasy for me. Yeah, uh, I mean, you're exactly right. I don't think we need to really talk about this. Um, you know, you have Brian Dabble. I have Brian Dabble. I like he brought the sauce from 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 Buffalo down with him. Whatever that magic sauce was, he gave it to Daniel Jones and 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 Danny Dimes turned into Vanilla Vic and Danny Dimes and combined. I don't even know what you want to call him. Frosty Daniel Fitz. Magnificent at one point in time. Daniel Dandy Daniel. I don't I don't know what you call him. But whatever he was in the playoffs to get them this far, I, it was fantastic. Lamar Light, ca- Caucasian Kaepernick. Like we can go all over the place with them. And you saw Josh Allen's turnovers go up. Daniel Jones go down. The Brian Dabble. And his, hey, his trend, like his career trend is great. As, you know, passing yards go up. Uh, completion percentage has gone up every every year. Interceptions have gone down. You can't ask for more. Turnovers have gone down. So we'll have to see what they can do next year with, with Brian Dabble at, at the helm yet again. I don't I, I don't think they're going away from Daniel Jones, but that's something we'll talk about later on down the road when we get into offseason conversation. But yeah, very exciting to see what the Giants did this year, uh, except for if you're a new NFC East fan like myself. Absolutely. So next we're going to go to Defensive Rookie of the Year. And there was a lot of good candidates for this one. This could have been a competitive one in any other year in recent memory. But unfortunately for Defensive Rookie of the Year, it is one man. I think we both agree on it. We're going to go with, I'm going with Sauce Gardner on this one. The New York Jets all-pro corner as well, too, on top of that. Defensive rookie there, Tariq Woolen, any other year probably gets this. Literally almost any other year in history, this is probably just the one year. Same with Aiden Hutchinson, most other years. But this one, it's all sauce guard. One of the best defensive rookie seasons we've ever seen. I mean, yeah. <laughs> this is going to be like Brian Dabble. I, I, there's no other conversation needed other than to say that this man continues the trend of not giving up a single touchdown in man coverage against his opponent. 
in his career. I don't mean his 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 professional career. I don't mean just his college and professional career. I don't mean just his high school, college, professional career. I mean the entire time he has played organized football, this man has not given up a touchdown. Give me Sauce Gardner with Defensive Rookie of the Year. And I won't be surprised if next year we're sitting here talking about how he is a potential Defensive Player of the Year. And uh, that Jets team surprised a lot of people this, this year. Maybe not myself as much. Um, hmm. I did predict them to be pretty good. Just Zach Wilson maybe surprised me. Uh, but defensive hmm. defensive player, defensive rookie of the year, Sauce Gardner, did not surprise me in the least. But, yeah, you're exactly right. Like, any other year, Tariq Woolen, Aiden Hutchinson, you probably have a great conversation between those two about who gets it. Um, I mean, this kind of really depends on what you what you like more. Do you like dynamic defensive ends or do you like hugely athletic hybrid tight, or hybrid cornerbacks that can play safety and just destroy everything and, and pick it off at the same time? It's, it's a great conversation there, but unfortunately there was a, a guy named Sauce that is just walking away with it. Absolutely, and honestly, Madden, give the man an X-Factor going to Madden 24 as well, too. Just throwing that out there. Madden, do the right It needs thing. to be called the Sauce, though. Like that's his X-Factor, he needs, he needs to have a specialized X-Factor called the Sauce. Yeah, or just, I don't care what ability it is, just give him something. Like Give give him something. He earned it as well. So <laughs> Next one, go to offensive rookie there, where we actually will have a little bit of conversation now as well, too. Those last two were quick and simple, but offensive rookie of the year, the finalists they're showing right now are Garrett Wilson, Brock Purdy, and Kenneth Walker. While they are all pretty good, I'm struggling to have Brock Purdy up there off of five games, five regular season games. Fantastic, but five regular season games. Kenneth Walker obviously deserves to be on there. We're going to do it off of five games. Brees Hall needs to be in there then. We're going to do the play that game. Garrett Wilson, probably the favorite and one of the two top two guys in my opinion, but who I'm going to give it to is a guy not on that list. I'm going Chris Olave. A mess at quarterback, a mess in New Orleans until like those last four games down the stretch. They were absolutely terrible in a terrible division. You had you went from Jameis Winston to broken back Jameis Winston to erratic Andy Dalton to Taysom Hill, the tight end, throwing you the ball. It was a, a mess all over the place, but Chris Olave continued to produce. No other weapons on that offense to speak of besides that tight end slash quarterback Taysom Hill. Because Alvin Kamara, I guess Alvin Kamara a little bit, but he was in and out. Mike Thomas gave you his his regular six quarters before he was done. And Chris Olave continued to ball out. Thousand yard season, if I'm not mistaken, as well, too. Fantastic get fantastic season from Chris Olave, who I'm gonna go with for offensive rookie of the year. I respect it. I I, I do love Chris Olave. We talked about this in the midseason awards. Um, he was my pick there because you went somewhere else with yours. Um, but he was your preseason prediction, though. I gotta gotta still give you that. I believe, yeah, I, I, I even think I, I gave him an, an honorable honorable mention there um, for Chris Olave, and and like he looked fantastic uh, going into the season, and, and yeah, it looks looks great uh, no matter who was throwing him the ball. But I got to go with one of the finalists again, I, and, and again, I'm with you though, Brock Purdy. Get him off the list. Why, what are we doing here, guys? Like, we, there's no way we ran out of rookies at this one. Throw an offensive rookie that's a lineman up there before you put Brock Purdy up there, please. Like, don't do this to me. It was, that's just, uh, uh, yeah, gross. Hmm. No. Uh, anyways, I, I, maybe I'm biased. I, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know if I let that slip or not. Um, but, yeah, I got to go with one of the one of the guys there, uh, a guy that I talked about coming into the season as, as being a potential surprise for a lot of people in fantasy as well as offensive rookie of the year potentials, and that's Kenneth Walker III. It, he went and showed it. Once he got the full-time position, it was, I mean, it was over. Uh, it really was. It was just watching him run away. It was very similar to watching his last season in college until the Michigan game, until until the uh, last game against Ohio State, where he just kind of did not play well. Like it, it was, Ohio State was the first couple games where he just had to have a job, 
And then it was like, oh, here's the rest of his season for Michigan State happening every week. And, I mean, he made some three-yard gains. Again, just looked incredibly amazing. And um, I, he, he's part of the reason why Geno Smith and, and the Seahawks offense is able to click, even with DK at being DK at times and just kind of Jalen Ramsing it up. And, you know, whatever reason it be that that offense stuttered, uh, Kenneth Walker was able to keep it rolling. So very interesting to see what he go, is able to do go forward as well. But you mentioned K- Brees Hall. I wish Brees Hall had not gotten injured because I feel like that would have been a great conversation to have between Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall right here because I do think between the two of them, that was a toss-up. So Absolutely. And, of course, we'll both give the shout-out to Garrett Wilson, who fantastic season as well, to leading all rookie receivers as well, to a finalist on that list. So fantastic yeah. job. A lot of really good rookies this year as well. Too. Even if the quarterback class wasn't that great, Kind of like we talked when we did the draft boards. Everything else is looking pretty solid, though. So next we're going to go to Offensive Player of the Year. And this one I think we're kind of in agreement on as well, too, considering he's an MVP candidate. And, well, he was my preseason prediction as well, so I'm going to stick with this one through through thick and thin. We're going with Jay Jettas, Justin Jefferson, receiver for the Vikings. Almost was on pace to have 2,000 yards receiving until the last couple of games. It kind of petered out a little bit as well. Incredible season. I just a, honestly an incredible season, the leading receiver, absolutely fantastic. Put that team on his back that team kind of sucked. But they managed to win 11 one-score games in small part because he attracted a lot of attention. And if he didn't, he went for 200 yards like he did on the Packers. Or against the Colts, he had shut out for a half, and then in the second half gets you a touchdown in 80 yards. A fantastic player. Top three receiver in the game currently, however you want to rank him. Take it outside the top three or even the top two is blasphemous, really. But top three is... He's definitely top three. I don't. I think taking him outside of that's it, it, it's a weird conversation. Not include have a top three without Jay Jettas right now. Yeah, I mean, top five, uh, you're, very, I'm, you're high if he's not in the top five. Like that's where we draw the line. Yeah, I, I'm going to say this. I, I think it's it's amazing. We talked about this many times to see a trade that involves Stephon Diggs, who at the time, I mean, he was a top five receiver, being replaced in the team he was replaced by in a draft with what is now a top five, arguably the number one receiver in the game today. And I don't think it's really arguable at this point in time. I, I think he's the number one receiver. I like I Everybody who has listened to the show at one point in time at, during football season has heard me talk about Captain Mid, Kirk Cousins, and how much I hate he how he's dragging down Adam Thielen, TJ Hawkinson, and Justin Jefferson, and even Dalvin Cook in a lot of ways. But here's Justin Jefferson – Leading all receivers, had a chance at 2K yards for a receiver, uh, had a chance at just literally doing anything. If it's not for him being triple teamed during fourth quarters, I, this guy probably does hit 2K uh, easily. And it's 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 insane to see what he's able to do on the field. Just getting open, uh, we talk about it all the time, receivers, just getting open, that ability to just get open is unnatural. But then you combine that with his speed, his actual pure route running, and his hands are stupid. The catch of the year right now, uh, the catch of maybe the last five years, going going to justin jefferson right now um i i'd say even you might even call it the decade but there's that obj catch literally 10 years ago no. that looks eerily similar in a lot of ways so um yeah kind of pick pick and choose between which one you like a little bit better um i personally like the justin jefferson one because it didn't happen against the cowboys mm-hmm. um but you know hey what do i know uh but yeah that's look jay jetta is all the way and, and again for him to be a mvp candidate they always talk about office player being a non-quarterback. Well, best non-quarterback is, is Justin Jefferson, period. So let the quarterbacks fight for the MVP. 
Absolutely. That's that we're in agreement on that one as well. So next one go to defensive player of the year. And this one a little bit more competitive, I'd say, as well, too. But we're kind of looking in the same direction. I'm gonna go with Nick Bosa. That was 18 sacks, led the was top towards the top in pressures, an absolutely fantastic season for the best defense in the game as well, too. So I'm gonna go with Nick Bosa. Obviously, there's a very strong case to be made for Micah Parsons, but I'm just looking at the just 18 and a half sacks is just absolutely insane. Handful of forced fumbles as well, too. So I'm going to go with Nick Bosa by a slight margin, partially because Micah Parsons, for me, tapered off a little bit towards the back end of the season. So 1A, 1B, I'm not going to argue too much with the one, but I'm leaning towards Nick Bosa in this matchup. Yeah, I mean, if the if the defensive player of the year conversation was just about how you played from week three to week 14, Micah Parsons probably wins this game, wins this conversation. Unfortunately, it includes week one and week two, and week thir- and 15, and week 16, and week 17, and now week 18 uh, in the conversation. So yeah, giving Nick Bosa on this, there was, there, there was no really competitiveness. outside. I think Chris Jones had a better chance of replacing Micah, Micah Parsons here in, in my, my eyes. I just, for me, Chris Jones, again, if you if you count how you played week three through week twelve for for Chris Jones and then add in week 16, 17, 18 into there just as a little sprinkling on top, then okay, yeah. But again, the whole season the season as a whole, Nick Nick Bosa was just uh yeah, just outstanding. Um, and I do want to go to the comment. We do have a comment here from Jared, uh, our friend over here from corner and or corner booth, uh, and like we we both go on show all the time. Uh, obviously, we know he's a diehard Eagles fan. But he has a point here. Hassan Reddick maybe deserves a nomination. At the, at the very least, a nomination. I think if this is one of those cases, if this is a five-player nomination, five-player type of poll in, in the new new voting system, he's there. I think because it's three, you kind of fall prey to the Micah Parsons was just good enough, and he's a cowboy. Hmm. And we all know Cowboys' stupidity around Cowboys Nation. So... Um, yeah, I think that's probably the biggest reason why he's not there. But I do do agree. Hassan Reddick had a fantastic season. It should at least be in the conversation. Top five for sure. I mean, defensive player of the year this year. He almost also kind of suffers where I'm going to deem T Higgins syndrome. Like he's fantastic. The problem is just surrounded by so many fantastic players on the team that led the league in sacks. Like there's just, yeah. there's so much firepower. He almost gets overlooked as well, too, especially because he's not the, the big flashy name. He's just, it's, a it's, and it's hard because he's the guy from Temple. Exactly. Yeah. And he was labeled a bust from, from Carolina. I'm sorry, the Cardinals as well too. So like, yeah, he, he's fantastic. He deserves a nomination. I agree with that. 16 sacks is 16 sacks. I mean, what was it second in the league? Something like that, but he was fantastic. I could see, he just unfortunately is a victim of being on, being a really good player on an incredible defensive line on top of it too. So yeah, defensive player of the year. Sounds like we're in the similar boat there as well too, with Nick, with Nick Bosa, not Joey Bosa because he throws temper tantrums across playoff games, but Nick Bosa for now. <laughs> Next, we're going to go to MVP, and this one's a two-person race, if we're being honest. There's five nominees, five outstanding players. Three three, three congratulations nominees, and then two, all right, you got a chance. One of them, even Justin Jefferson, who said, I'm just happy to be here. His exact tweet, just that exact. Joe Burrow, fantastic season. Josh Allen, fantastic season, minus turnovers. We're looking at Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts. For this one, we're actually going to go in opposite directions for this one. I'm going to go and let you lead the way on this one because – you got you got you got an interesting name here. You got you got a classic on this one. Yeah, I, I mean, you guys know me. I, I've I think I might have fallen in love with this guy. I don't know. Maybe 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 I, I'm jealous of 
I don't know, his hair. I don't know. Maybe the fact he gets a throw to a Kelsey it makes me a little bit, a little bit more, more like I lean towards this guy. Maybe a little bit more of a fan that way because he throws to a guy named Kelsey. Uh, but Patrick Mahomes, do what? I'm not a fan of him because of his siblings. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely not his siblings <laughs> or, or his uh, annoying significant other. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, make beautiful children though. You make beautiful, beautiful children. Yeah, congratulations, you too. Um, <laughs> but no, look, I, I gotta go. Gotta go, Patty in this one, uh, setting the record for most yards in the season. 5,250 yards. You look at the touchdowns. Um, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, it, it tied for touchdowns in, in the race between the, the top two guys for total touchdowns. Uh, one one more overall turnover for Patty in, in that conversation, but then you take in the yards. Not only did he have 5,250 passing yards, he did ch- also chuck in a cool 358, which is about half of the second guy. But he also beat that guy by about two thousand passing yards in the season. So, you know, uh, you got all that accumulative. It, it's just it's tough to not give it to Patty in, in in a lot of ways. But I'll be honest, the top two guys, I'd be okay with either one winning it. Um, and again, it hurts me to say that uh, you know the other guy might win it. Um, but yeah, no, I'm gonna say I I I do like Patty here. I think it's it's gonna be Patty, but. If it's if it's unanimous, Patty, I'm gonna be a little offended. I, I like I feel like I feel like this has got to be a, a closer race than a unanimous decision one way. Um, I feel like these these two have had such a great seasons. To be fair to both of them, to give them credit for their seasons, it should be a close. Not saying we're not saying sharing a title. I'll uh, Peyton Manning and was it Eddie George, Steve McNair. Uh, oh, Steve McNair. Thank you. Uh, hmm. Wrong, wrong, wrong position in the Titans. But yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to see. I don't want to see that, but I do want to see like a sixty forty type of conversation here, a fifty five forty five type of conversation when it comes down to the voting. But yeah, I'm gonna go Patty here with my MVP pick, uh, but a very very close race between him and the second guy. So I'm gonna go with the second guy. I'm gonna go with Jalen Hurts. And if you told me Patrick was gonna win, I'm a, I would agree with you. Like I don't have an argument against Patrick Mahomes. So I'm just gonna make a case for Jalen Hurts. He lost one game that he started all season as well too. He, and that was a shootout against a division rival Washington. They, the best teams in their conference that they played, he beat them. I mean, he played the Vikings. They, and that he had a performance. They played the Giants twice. And the one time he played the full game, he lit them up in a half. He, every time they played the best division in football this year with the, the Cowboys and the, and the Washington and Washington, they're the commanders now. I almost called them the Washington team because old habits die hard, but he beat them. He, he went undefeated against the Cowboys in games that he played because he didn't play the other game. He also went undefeated against Washington. Well, no, he did lose the one to Washington. I just said that. But my point is, he played his schedule. He played outstanding. He had 35 total touchdowns in 15 games. He had north of 4,400 yards when you combine rushing and passing in 15 games. The turnovers, six picks. You'll take that any day of the week. Five fumbles as well, too. The amount of the 165 rushing attempts to go with 460 pass attempts. That's still less than Patrick Mahomes passing attempts when you combine just overall Jalen Hurts having the ball, basically. I know the injury hurts him a little bit for his overall stats. I know the NFL is more of an overall stats kind of award thing as opposed to NBA, which is like points per game, assists per game, that sort of thing. But if we go by per game, Jalen Hurts was very much on par with him. So I'm going to lean towards Jalen Hurts just because they always – last year they gave it to Aaron Rodgers because he was on the number one seed. He was the quarterback of the number one seed and didn't turn it over when he should have been like third on the list. So by their standard, we're going to go by that standard. Give me Jalen Hurts all the way. He lost one game that he played in. He flipped the Eagles around from a pretty good team to a juggernaut. And look where they are now. If he doesn't get hurt, I think it's a, I think he runs away with it, honestly. 
in my opinion, he might run away with it. We'll have to wait and see. But you saw the difference. Once Gardner Minshew came in, they were not the same team. I know they had a fun game against the Cowboys. I know it was fun because it was all competitive and a shootout. Fun. They they still lost him. We see we seen what the Cowboys do in those games, like when they played the Raiders last year. Like there was we that's that that's the anomaly. We saw when he played the Saints, Gardner Minshew was kind of miserable. Like it was you saw a difference. Minus that one fun game against the Cowboys, you see the difference in drop off. So give me Jalen Hurts for the MVP as well, too. But once again, I won't argue with Patrick as well, too. Like one A, one B. I'm not going to argue yeah. either way. Patty, Patty had one of the better. He broke the record for total yards in a season because he ran the ball more than Drew Brees does. So, like, fantastic yeah. as well. So, yeah. Real quickly, since we just, we've gone through this pretty quickly, Kelsey, I'll have you go ahead and recap your list for the NFL awards for us, too. All right. So, my list for the NFL awards, we're going to go with starting out, comeback player of the year, Geno Smith, coach of the year, Brian Dabble, defensive rookie of the year, Sauce Gardner, giving it all the sauce. Offensive Rookie of the Year, Kenneth Walker III. Offensive Player of the Year, Justin Jefferson. Defensive Player of the Year, Nick Bosa. And your MVP is going to go to Patrick Mahomes. All so, right. DJ, go ahead and give, give him off your list. All right. For my list, we're going to start with Comeback Player of the Year, who should be a nominee but is not, Brandon Graham, the Eagles' defensive end. For Coach, Brian Dabble, straightforward. Defensive Rookie of the Year, Sauce Gardner, no debate. Offensive Rookie of the Year should get a nomination as well. I'm going with Chris Olave. For Offensive Player of the Year, give me Justin Jefferson. Defensive Player of the Year, give me Nick Bosa. And MVP, give me Jalen. Makes it hurt so good. Jalen hurts as well. Oklahoma and Alabama, you can both claim him. It is okay. He is fantastic. So that is what we have for our defense, or excuse me, our NFL Player of the Year awards as well, too. Not all of them are nominated, but they all should be as well, too. So that's going to do it here for our main event. We appreciate you joining us for this one. But now we're going to head into Kelsey's favorite part of every show. And that is crunch time. And crunch time, of course, brought to you by our friends over at Outlier. Use code use outlier.bet backslash high low sports. Sign up, free seven-day trial, get everything you need for betting odds, trends, everything you need to bet smarter, not harder. Put together some nice fun parlays and win yourself a little bit of money as well, too. Take a look at some different trends as teams go head to head as well, too. So you're not too surprised as well. And Kelsey, we got a little bit of we got a couple different types of farewells is what we're going to this one's going to be like the farewell one. I'll go and go first since mine's going to be pretty short and sweet. I'm going to say we're going to say goodbye to UFC legend Glover Teixeira. He was always known as the best fighter to not get in the UFC for a very long time because he had visa issues. Everyone said if he could get in there, he'd beat everyone. Famous Chuck Liddell training partner. Just retired after losing this title fight by decision this last this last weekend. Won the title in his 40s for the first time as well, too, to show how long he's been around. Uh, the best, I'm going to keep my insurance. We a legendary fighter should be a Hall of Famer. The UFC official ranking started in 2010, I believe it was. He was ranked number four. He just retired at ranked number two. So, literally, since the existence of the rankings, he has been ranked. Not at one point during that entire stretch was he unranked. So, a fantastic, underrated career. Most people, unfortunately, only remember him for losing to John Jones and Anthony Johnson landing a nuclear bomb on his chin in 13 seconds, which probably would have killed a rhinoceros if he landed that same punch as well, too. So Glover to share a legendary career, calling it, calling it a legendary career as well, too. Those who know, they know he will always be remembered. And what a perfect name, Glover, for a fighter and a guy who throws hooks and idolizes Mike Tyson. The perfect name for his style of fighting as well, too. So a very fond farewell to let UFC legend Glover to share. Now, Kelsey, you got a farewell in a little bit more of a, we'll call it a ranting form. Yeah, you know what? It's the Cowboys offseason. So farewell to the mediocre season that just was, despite everybody saying it was a great season. It wasn't. We all know it was mediocre. Let's, let's not kid ourselves here. A lot of empty calories in this season. 
It was awful. It's over. But more importantly, it's time to say farewell to a couple people. Uh, Mike McCarthy, time to say farewell. It's it's time to go. Time to sell into the wild blue yonder. Goodbye. Uh, you know what? We're also going to say goodbye to Zeke. And while we're at it, we're going to go ahead and say goodbye to the Jones family. And that would be my well wishes for a great offseason for the Cowboys, ladies and gentlemen. And it's going to continue to be mediocrity for the next decade until the Jones family finally decides to sell the team. So we're all stuck in the same living hell. Uh, but you know what? Here we are until then. We're all going to enjoy it, right? We're all just going to just continue to, to keep staring at Jerry World and the Cowgirls and say, that's our team. That's, yeah, you know, it's um, farewell to all of that. This is, I'm done being <laughs> the, the, the somewhat positive Cowboys fan. I'm just going to keep being a miserable, lowly Grinch of a Cowboys fan uh, for the years to come. And it's, yeah, like Jerry Jones, once you sell the team, I'll be happy. But really, that's the big three things this offseason. I need to see farewell to, to Mike McCarthy, farewell to Zeke. And farewell to at least one of the Jones family members. Just one of them, please go. Um, lot, that's all I ask. A lot of point five in there. Resign Tony Pollard. Don't let him go if you can to. Find a find a way yeah. to keep Tony Pollard. Yeah, that needs to be the non not farewell. <laughs> farewell to some money as as you pay it to Tony Pollard as he walks out the as he walks back in the door. Just wire transfer from one contract Zeke's contract. Well, while you're at it, go ahead and just pay Leighton Vander Esch a good a good chunk of money to say like because at this point you need a tight you need a, you need a linebacker and he was. Better than anything else you had. He, it, he's got to fund those new net, those neck rolls. Those are the fact that castle impersonation is not cheap. So you got to keep it going as well too, but yeah. definitely an interesting off season we have for the Cowboys to say the least. I'm curious to see what they do to make you more optimistic or less optimistic moving forward. Probably, probably the latter, unfortunately, but yeah, you know what? I, I, I I'm slowly, you know, you talked about earlier. We're, we're, we're maybe we're, we're not bills fans, but we're bills uh, affectionate. Yeah, I'm definitely turning into a Bengals fan because, uh, you know, I talked about it last season. I'm converting to being a Bengals fan slowly but surely. It's slowly starting to take over my body, obviously, now living in Ohio. Easier to go see a, a couple Bengals games here and there. So uh, next thing I know, maybe I'm going to start painting my paint, paint, painting myself black and orange during during Sundays for football going forward. As long as they keep T. Higgins because we got to have an Ocho Cinco out there as well. Too. Yeah, look, hey, to mind you, uh, if anybody's questioning me jumping on a bandwagon for the Bengals in the last since, you know, their last year Super Bowl. This happened before the Super Bowl run, ladies and gentlemen. This happened before that. Flashback to our our, our episodes uh, before last season, even the season before that when Joe Burrow was injured. You'll see it. It was on tape. It happened. I talked about the Bengals and how much I like them and, and how maybe secretly I was a Bengals fan then. Well, don't worry. If the Colts decide to bring in a certain somebody as their new head coach, I'll be entering the fan transfer portal too. So maybe we'll maybe we'll see. But that is going to do can, it. Can they pay us in some zero sugar Dr. Pepper while they're at it? Can that be I'll, your transfer portal payment? Oh, I sure hope so. I, I mean, I'll go to Title Town for that for that sugar free Dr. Pepper as well. But that, that'll do it for us here today on the High Low Sports Podcast. We appreciate y'all joining us here. We will see you guys again next week, and hopefully, have a wonderful day.